0: This is Stories of Win, where we showcase amazing women in neuroscience. We chat with them about their research, their unique journeys through academia, and what drives their passion for studying the brain. Here is one of their stories. I'm Meenakshi from Stories of Win, and I'm thrilled to be here today with Dr. Camilla Bellone, who is an associate professor in the Department of Basic Neurosciences in the University of Geneva. Thank you so much for letting me interview you.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me.
0: I would like to start off uh, by asking your neuroscience origin story. Um, How and when did you first become interested in studying the brain?
1: So it was uh, during the university. I studied pharmacy at the University of Milano and uh, I had the, the great uh, chance to have a, a professor in the neuropsychopharmacology that made me passion in uh, the brain and the neuroscience. So I really, she was uh, a great model, and I immediately understood that uh, I wanted to be like her, so it it was a pleasure to have a teacher that really transmit me the passion for the brain and brain function and neuroscience.
0: Uh, did that inspire you to go to graduate school? And did you did you have an idea where all you wanted to apply and and what programs you wanted to apply in?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I mean, she was uh, Monica Di Luca. She uh, was a professor of uh, neuropsychopharmacology at the University of Milano. And uh, she really as- inspired me. And uh, I-, I immediately knew I want to keep going. And uh, so I started my PhD, actually, at the University of Milano. But uh, And then during the time I was working with her, I was doing a lot of molecular work um then i was always intrigued by function and uh, at the time she was the one that pushed me to go abroad uh, during my phd to learn electrophysiology so i'm really thankful for her, her way of uh, uh, doing science and for being able to push me to to go further and uh, learn uh, electrophysiology so this was at the time that i moved to geneva and did uh, uh, finish my phd with christian lusher
0: that's awesome. So was it like a, a study abroad program that was part of your curriculum in University of Milan? That that's a really nice opportunity.
1: Yeah, it's great. I mean, the University of, of Milano allowed you to stay abroad for half of the period of your PhD. So that was uh, really an uh, incredible experience.
0: It's great. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what topics you focused on in graduate school, um, and what was your research focus?
1: Yeah, so as I say, I mean I was uh, um, the the lab I trained at the beginning was really focused on understanding the molecular mechanism underlying synapses. So I was uh, I've been always uh, fascinated by the synapses uh, and uh, the, by the way our neurons communicate. And um actually, the frustration came uh, from the molecular analysis because I really felt that where I miss uh, the function in the real communication and so when I joined the laboratory of uh, Christian Lucer in Geneva I started working uh, on the synaptic basis uh, of drug addiction. So I was uh, um I have to admit I was not never very passionate by drug addiction but uh, really about synapses more and so I used the the model of uh, cocaine um addiction just to in- have a good model for studying the synapses, synaptic function. so really how neurons communicate.
0: I think that's um, a nice takeaway for listeners, that sometimes you can be interested more in like the technique and the tool, and you can just have any starting point uh, as a model to, to develop your interest and, and expertise in the technique. Um, and was there a crucial moment during graduate school that that made you realize, this is the path for me, and I want to do a postdoc and want to stay in academia or were you considering uh, other career options uh, i have
1: to say that during the phd i was uh, quite sure i wanted to uh, continue in academia and uh, at least doing a, a postdoc and one of the reason uh, is also that the postdoc is a great uh, uh, opportunity to travel even more. So, uh, um, this is why from uh, Europe, I moved back uh, to, I moved to uh, United States. So I was in San Francisco. So I, I took that as a unique uh, opportunity, right? To, to come to, to go to the U.S. and uh, have a different type of uh, life uh, starting, uh, a new adventure. So this is, was also one of the reasons uh, uh, that uh, uh, pushed me to to continuous But of course, I was still very passionate about uh, the the topic. So this is why also I keep going um, in studying synapses and synaptic physiology. And I joined the laboratory of Roger Nicol that uh, has been like a pioneer in uh, synaptic physiology, understanding synaptic function.
0: And was your postdoc research topic based on like a drug addiction model, or were you working on something different? It was
1: really basic uh, uh, understanding on uh, of a synaptic function, and I have to say that uh, uh, Roger was uh, um, an excellent mentor because at the beginning he gave you really the uh, opportunity to sniff around, as you say, and uh, explore different subjects. So he did not impose me a project a specific project. So at the time I was uh, um, having this idea that maybe there is uh, something the experience uh, during the postnatal development uh, that influenced the way synaptic uh, uh, synapses work. So he really left me the freedom to to really explore and uh, somehow just uh, um, think about the question I want to answer, and I, I was quite lucky in that.
0: That's great. Um, and like you mentioned, the uh the opportunity to to travel and work in different places is definitely a, a perk, but also um, I mean, I'm assuming it can be very challenging as well, right? Were there were the challenges related to that during your post op or were there other challenges and um how did you overcome that? Yeah, so my
1: biggest challenge was that my um future husband at the time was uh, my boyfriend. Uh, he stayed in uh, Europe, so he's, uh, he was working back in Geneva. So, um, I mean, for me, it was, uh, was a big step and big compromise, uh, but I was sure that uh, um, it was worth. So I, I traveled, I went there. But my compromise uh, for work was that uh, I told immediately, Roger, this is just, I will do my project. I will do one project. I will do it until the end, but then I will be go back. And this is what I did. So, uh, I mean, in life, we always need to compromise. So this was, uh, and somehow I, I, it was some i was my choice and i'm very happy how it goes but of course was a, if i was alone would have been different experience but i still enjoy a lot
0: exactly um that's it's great that you could set, set those expectations from the beginning and um, and make it work. Um, and and then could you tell us about the transition going from your postdoc to starting your own lab? Were you thinking about only labs in Geneva at that point? And yeah, how was how was that transition when you started your own lab? Yeah,
1: the, as I say, my boyfriend was uh, working in Geneva. He's working at the WHO, the World Health Organization. So I was uh, sure I want to go back to Geneva and um so i was uh, also in that case uh, very lucky that my previous mentor Christian Lusher uh took me back in his lab after my first postdoc and there i did uh, um what is uh, i could call uh, the, the the typical uh, swiss pathway through academia because i really um obtained a uh, uh, grant for semi independence and then independence uh, through all the years it took a while uh, um, I have to say I mean somehow so that was a compromise uh, because uh, of course uh, sometimes I would I wish I could have applied wherever I wanted uh, in Europe or back in the US uh, but uh, I knew that uh, um, I wanted to stay with my boyfriend that became my husband so then I this is was a, um, a very um, important decision that uh, I, I i need to find my way in here so i uh, i was uh i, I was lucky and I uh, of course i uh probably i it took me a little bit more than uh would have been took if i would have left before
0: for sure I mean, we, it's a great lesson that we all work under constraints but if we are passionate we can we can still you know like your story is an example that you can always make it work at the end um, and so, when you went back to um, Christian Lucher's lab, were you were you now thinking about different problems that that your own research program and lab would focus on, or were you working on kind of um, topics that were similar to your postdoc um, in San Francisco?
1: I try to merge the two things. So in San Francisco, I work on this postnatal developmental aspect of synaptic function. And uh, Christian was working and still working on drug addiction. So I was working, actually, I developed a project uh, where I was working uh, on uh, a prenatal cocaine model. So where I was treating the mother with cocaine and then I was looking at the effect on the uh, postnatal development of uh, the offspring. So I tried to merge the two fields. And uh, actually that was uh, quite successful. And this allowed me then uh, to to apply for my own grant and the the grant that I got to School Ambition is similar to the K99. And there where I left addiction apart uh, finally. And so at the moment I applied for my own grant, I was trying to think uh, which would be a topic, right? Uh, That uh, would have been uh, uh, interesting uh, to study. And uh, because I was in the reward system uh, and I was thinking about the natural reward, uh, I mean, for me, it was somehow natural to go towards social interaction. I'm a very social person, and I think that social interaction, at least for myself, are very rewarding. So this is how I end up uh, working on social behavior.
0: That's, that's beautiful. So would you say your lab currently is mainly... Focused on social behaviors, um, and also I, I, are you um, synthesizing it with looking at synaptic physiology as well?
1: Yeah, so I mean, the, the, the somehow I was uh,
0: at the beginning, I, I really called
1: my lab Synaptic Basis of Social Behavior. Um, I think at the time, of course, the technology advanced, and uh, I was really fascinated by the behavioral analysis and by more system neuroscience approaches. So I was, uh, um, I took advantage of the technology to just go in the bigger picture. And I have to say that I become, as much as I'm uh, in love with synapses, I really like and enjoy behavioral analysis. So I, this uh, somehow are at the extreme, but I, and this is what I'm trying more and more to do, right? To, to go from the behavior just down to the synapses, passing through the circuit uh, and uh, the neuronal network. So it's challenging uh, uh, this uh, gap, but I think that uh, is is where I want to go.
0: Definitely an important gap to bridge. Um, Could you give us maybe like a couple of examples about how you actually bridge this gap, like a couple of topics where you maybe like, where you're trying to go all the way from behavior deep down to the synapse? Yeah, I have a, a funny Maybe a um, thing
1: to say in that regard, because so when I was the working on drug addiction at the very beginning, we were starting from synaptic function. And every time we were finding something interesting in the synapses, we were always asking ourselves, which will be the behavioral readout? And so it was somehow a bottom up approach where I really struggled to find the behavioral correlator or a causal link between my synaptic function and the behavior. So it was clear that when I stopped my lab, I want to do the other way around. So normally, what I do is now I start from a, a behavior. And then I try to see whether, where in the brain is encoded the, the synaptic uh, uh, plasticity uh, that is related to that behavior. So it's uh, the other way around the top down approach now
0: yeah yeah that's that's definitely an interesting um switch up Are there particular regions um that you that you look at when you're studying social behaviors and can you just give a give us like a couple of examples of uh, research topics that your that your lab focuses on
1: yeah so the, the as I say I was uh, in the reward uh, field uh, so in uh, reward circuit uh, so I was interested uh, since many years in studying the dopamine function, how dopamine neurons and dopamine release within the ventral striatum is encoding uh, um, behavior um, related to reward. And so in that regard, I really focused on, I mean, when we speak about social neuroscience, it's such a huge field. so the angle that I took so far is uh, really to looking at social motivation. And uh, the idea is really, I have to say that the, the, one of the ideas also came from uh, um, the pathological aspect where I was also interested in understanding uh, social dysfunction related to psychiatry disorder like autism. So at the beginning, I have to admit that my illusion, illusion was uh, to try to... Um, solve uh which are the neuronal mechanisms underlying social dysfunction related to autism and i start to dig into this field and as it was at that time that i really realized the complexity and uh the 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 great potential of studying just social behavior for studying social behavior and i was always frustrated because when i was asking clinicians so what does it mean social deficit right there can be so many reasons that uh, Uh, lead to social deficit in people and uh, so I explored this idea of social motivation deficit that is one of the theory in autism spectrum disorder and so I took it and uh, we are really trying to tease apart which are the circuit the neuronal mechanism underlying social motivation both in physiology and in pathology.
0: That's great. Um, that's a very interesting topic. Um, and I really look forward to, to seeing um, all the interesting findings uh, that are coming from your lab and coming in, coming up in future. Um, let's maybe talk a little bit about the other aspects of being a PI that goes beyond science. So how would you describe a typical day these days? And also if you just want to reflect on what has been like the most rewarding thing about this career uh, in academia for you? And also what's been the most most uh, most challenging thing about this career?
1: So, you know, at the very beginning when I was uh, still uh, doing uh, experimental work and I was on the bench, I was uh, scared that I would have missed this part. And I still miss it somehow because I had the impression that w- while you're doing experiment is the, The more creative moment, right, is when you create a hypothesis and you destroy your (laughs) hypothesis, making uh, some experiment. So I I was really worried uh, to, to, to miss this part. uh, And I was, uh, I'm I'm not a good writer. So I was really worried about uh, having to write papers, having to write a grant. but actually, now it's the, the other way around. I really enjoy to to write papers, uh, but in particular of write brands. So I found a, a very um interesting this uh, creativity that you can have while you write uh, a brand proposal. So this part is uh, what I really like. Uh, the the other aspect that I I, I really like is the the try the, the 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 work uh, um, of a community right so when you are a postdoc uh, you are almost alone uh, I mean sometimes you collaborate for sure you you belong to a group that's fine but you still have your own project right so this is the thing instead when you are a PI you uh, lead a group of people with multiple projects. So you have somehow this the the sense of family and to, to really make a difference uh, with a different projects. And uh, so this is a sense of a community and uh, of uh, uh, working uh, collectively uh, for having something and uh, uh, an outcome at the end. So this is the part I really like. I wish uh, scientists uh, would be uh, less uh, um, individualist uh, and uh, more uh, going uh, toward collaborative effort. And I think my my thoughts are that I, I really think that we will change, and probably we are already going toward a period uh, of transformation where we will go from individual to more collective. Uh, uh, behavior and collective intelligence, and we will create a, a different community. I really hope for the next generation.
0: For sure. Uh, it's also a beautiful message how you can find how creativity in so many different things. And at one stage in your career, it could be something different that you might think you'll miss, but you'll just find it in something else. That's great. And do you ever compare with the work we do in academia, but also, let's say, like your husband, who you mentioned, was then working for WHO. And have you ever thought about like the differences, I'm sure like a lot of people at different points in their career are thinking about, is academia meant for me? Should I try something else? Should I go to industry? But also for a, especially like a Ph.D. is a long time and we have just we sometimes don't keep our minds so open about a career in different fields. So do you have any advice about how to go about thinking about that and and also just from your experience, how different um like the life in an industry versus academia is.
1: I think that each one of us should think about the, his own strengths and weaknesses and see which are the aspects of your work that you like mostly. Um, and the, so one aspect that I really like uh, is uh, um, the multitasking. So the, the idea that on the same day you do multiple things and then one day is never the same than the other day. So I really like this uh, change, keep changing uh, this transition uh, and uh, this creativity that uh, is within uh, our work. And I think that in many other situations, the work may be more like constant, right? More like all the... Every time the same, and so I really don't. I know that I don't want to do a work that job that is uh, uh, boring. At least for me, for myself, uh, for I think I I really better performing uh, uh, doing multitasking work. Um, on the other hand, I I have to say that uh, there were sometimes I explore different opportunities, and I I I. I Think that nowadays, I I believe I could do other jobs. And sometimes I always, I mean, I say I would have liked to work for a funding agency. I would have liked to work for a foundation. Um, I would like to work for uh, um organization of conferences uh, or something similar. the The problem is that when you are a postdoc or PhD, you don't know what you like sometimes because you are used to do experiment all the time. So this is the only thing that you know how to do it. And so yeah. you think it's the only opportunity. So I, I think that the, I really like when people try to explore other skills, right? Because uh, we are not Monday for just be skilled for one thing. So I, I think the academia is just one of the option, And sometimes we end up on this option because it's the only Things that we know, but uh, I really like when I I tell all the time to my student, my postdoc, look around. I mean, look at uh, many other opportunity are in on the market, uh, and um, that may also be perfect uh, for your personality, for your skills, uh, and uh, in, France, uh, in French we say put en valeur. So that we really um underlie your strength
0: right for sure maybe another thing that we can touch upon is um mentorship you mentioned the, the kind of role your mentors played in your career um and definitely um we can see the impact of that so how has that um how has that affected the way you think about mentorship how would you describe your mentorship style and do you have advice regarding how to find a mentor with whom you have a really good fit and things like that.
1: Yeah, so I, I always say a mentor is forever, a good mentor is forever because, it's a, I mean, for me, it's the type of person on which you can count on, right, all the time is a person for me that uh, give me the honest uh, feedback on a grant proposal, on a paper, um that that uh, is is really honest and i think that we we miss a little bit of honesty in the field sometimes between colleagues so at least a mentor should be the one that is really always honest with you um i i always uh, i i perfectly know my the the pro and con right of myself or other people so what I try to do I try to take the the most positive qualities that I think are within my mentors uh, and really to to put them together and do my best to transmit that uh, uh, to to my mentee Um, of course I mean I'm sure that that I'm sure I have a lot of weaknesses I'm not perfect at all so but sometimes I would like to know right uh, what I could do better how can improve i mean we can always improve um and then i i really value i always tell the people uh, the importance of uh, uh, the network across phd and postdoc i have some friends from phd uh, school that are still my very good friends and are people uh, that i really trust and are my first reviewers right i always ask them to review my papers and i think the importance of a community belong to a community and be surrounded by honest people that people that give you honest feedback this is my mm, suggestion all the time
0: 100 <laughs> yeah there's nothing like having someone you trust who also gives you a uh really honest feedback maybe we can just talk a little bit about any other like piece of advice you have for our listeners or if you were to go back in time what advice would you give yourself during graduate school or postdoc
1: one thing that i i think i did it and i see also the pattern in many phd students is that to focus too much on their own question And instead, I I really try to push the idea that PhD, you are in the formation, right? You are in the progress of, you're you're not yet uh, there. So it's a training process and take advantage of this training process, right? Don't don't close yourself in your four walls of your lab uh, and looking uh, at the small question you are trying to ask with your experiment. I know that it's difficult because everyone is, press to publish but just to having a big picture right and to 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 see other uh, which is the big picture which are the other things that may be interest and I always say uh, just, uh, I mean as much as I I I like to be cre- cre- to criticize uh, other work I think we should just have also a more positive attitude toward the work of others and uh, I mean I, I I really just trying to 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 push towards just like let's try to see the the good quality of the, of the paper instead of just like uh, always criticizing it. So it's still a work of people, right? So it's uh, these are my two advice. So be critical but not too much. So take the positive uh, aspect and the second one, just try to to. To zoom out a little bit, uh, sometimes not all the time, but sometimes, uh, and uh, look around.
0: Maybe lastly, h- how is your identity as a woman neuroscientist just influence your um your career path and your life? And I'm sure, like different people have very different perspectives on this. So we would just like to hear your take.
1: Yeah so in my family I'm uh, the first one that went to college uh, so that was uh, a big step uh, and uh um, I never felt uh, the pressure of my family to, the, to go to college, uh, and sometimes I realize that instead I'm probably pushing too much my kids. So I I really took, uh, took it in a positive way, not to not be too much pushed and not too much uh, expect uh, the expectations were not too high. So that was uh, it definitely make my life easier, um, and uh, so. Uh, uh, I think that uh, I gave a, a lecture the other day and I was saying it, like, it's nice what you say right uh, your identity and it's true I mean I'm a, I'm, a fir- I'm not just a woman right I'm a 48 years old woman I'm Catholic I come from uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Italy uh, I was living in Milano so our identity is, uh, is more than just the gender and I, I uh, really that we need to take this in consideration over time. I think that uh, I, I, I mean, I, I see the, the, the problem of, uh, of uh, uh, the gender issue, the, the identity issue. Um, and uh, I'm definitely the one that promotes uh, the career of women or other minorities. Um, I was, I, uh, discussing about the quota, for example, right? And I mean, I think that uh, somehow it's great uh, to add this quota to just make the difference. On the other hand, sometimes the quota just uh, playing uh, a bad role on us uh, because then you are uh, solicited much more for committee, for thesis. uh, So there is uh, always uh, uh, a negative side, a pushback, but uh, but definitely, I mean, is, uh, I, I think that uh, th- compared to when I was a PhD student, there is uh, much more awareness. And I think uh, just by discussing some issue and just by expressing clearly um, our feeling uh, and uh, our, um, let's say, perplexity or uh, questioning uh, all the time is, is good because we... Is only by doing that the way it can discuss and make a change.
0: Definitely, uh, okay. To end on a fun note, uh, maybe tell us some, of, tell us something about your favorite hobbies or activities outside the lab, or just what you like to do to feel more relaxed and refreshed. Yeah,
1: so I have three kids, three small kids. They they are eight, and I have twins that are five and years old. So for I have to say that they are my hobby for the moment. I I really I mean, but that is great because they make my life uh, such a balance. Because when I go back home, I have no time to think about my work, and when I'm work, I'm happy to be at work and to not listen to the the cry, the shout, or uh, the war uh, w- between them. So I really think that this make my life uh, very balanced. Um, but I really like. So what I really like, I really, I really like reading. So I'm uh, uh, I really like uh, reading books. Um, I I really enjoy to go out with my friends. Uh, um, and so we have. Uh, Um, once every two weeks uh, uh, a night uh, where we go out with all my friends and so this is uh, something I really enjoy uh, to spend time with friends uh, and uh, uh, reading uh, and spend time with my kids and my husband so that is like uh, uh, I I don't have a time to get bored that's that's fun that's That's great
0: (laughs) is there a favorite recent read of yours um, I, I'm reading Pakinko.
1: so it's a, a story from uh, um, a Korean uh, uh, author so uh, I'm really enjoying it so this That's is great. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> awesome thank you so much Camilla for taking the time out and for sharing your inspiring story with us it's been such a pleasure chatting with you
1: thank you very much